Uh, I'm so glad to be here. I, um, I had this message prepared, and there's sometimes where you just, you work through a text and you're like, so I'm going to tell them what it says, and I'm going to help them explain, I'm going to explain what this, what this text is. And there's something in your heart that's like, but who cares? Like, why should they care? They're going to be like, okay, well, that was good. Now I know what it means. And uh, Corey just prayed for me in the back, and I just went like full flashback, and Julie's like, are you okay? This is my wife. And uh, so I can remember uh, following Julie, my good-looking girlfriend at the time, in 1998. She still is good-looking. <laughs> what? Stand up. Show them how good-looking you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Who was that? Um, she, we were dating... And I remember when old guys used to tell the same stories all over again, you know, and you'd be like, geez, he's got two stories, and he tells them every time. Okay, well, this, I've told this story before. But Julie started this ministry with 12 other people in 1999 in this room, 12 people. And I was the boyfriend that, was dating out, that she was dating outside the group, and the pastor was like, we need to meet this guy. I was a Christian, mildly mildly interested in Jesus at the time, greatly interested in my girlfriend at the time. So she came, I came, and I fell asleep my first time, and the pastor rebuked me the first time I ever came to this room. But when you guys are singing House of Miracles, I remember sitting about where, you know, back row right there, and I remember standing up in testimony night and, and saying, like, this group's changed my life. And I, so I was like, again, mildly interested in God, and what God did in this, this room was, I mean, this was, a house, this was literally a house of miracles for me. So I know some of you guys are in the process of God changing you. I never would have guessed, whatever, 25 years later, that life would play out the way that it is, but I'm glad that it did. Um, and the reason why you should care about this message is this group went from 12 to about, I, want, I don't want to over-exaggerate, was it 600, Julie? 600, maybe? 12 to 600. Like, I saw amazing growth. I saw life change. I saw all of this. And we did not manage relationships well. So we, we blew it up. And it went from 700 to, I mean, back down to 100 within a couple weeks. Like, it, it just blew up. Some people left the faith altogether. Um, some people I didn't really even reconcile with until this last summer camp when, when we brought a bunch of different churches together, and some of my buddies from this room actually came to camp with their churches, and we had, like, amazing moments. But I, so when I'm asking God why should they care about this, is this is the message we needed to hear. When I really think about what happened we needed this message. So I went from, all right, I'm going to teach them about forgiveness and what it is and how we do it, to I really want to spare them what we went through 20-something years ago. So let me pray for us, and then we'll get into it. Father, I'm so thankful. Um, the faces in the room... Uh, that I love, the memories in this room that 
I'm grateful for. Um, I'm thankful for Jade and Corey and for Jonathan and the whole team that Lord loves and serves and uh, the people in this community that bring life to it. And we want to hear from your spirit tonight. We want to hear from Jesus and we want to be shaped to be like him. And I pray this would be helpful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so when I had uh, my first daughter, Katie, which is uh, graduated with some of you, um, I did not know what I was doing as a parent. And there's uh, some of you guys are going to go through this. Maybe Corey is feeling this right now. I remember taking her home and just feeling like, I don't, you know, like everything was new. I don't know what to do. I wasn't raised by a Christian dad. He never told me about God. He never told me about Jesus. So this idea of raising my daughter to know and love Jesus was completely foreign to me. And I was a baseball, co a high school baseball coach at the time. And my whole life, my whole world was athletics. And so I would, uh, you know, Julie stayed home in the early years and she would kind of parent them all day. And then I would come home at night and I had the bedtime routine and I told stories the best I could to try and make Jesus come alive for my young daughter and then eventually my son. So this is actually, I'm going to start with uh, something that originated in the bedroom at bedtime. And you're going to be like, this is, we're young adults. You don't need to talk to us like we're children. But just bear with me. Imagine you're all children. I've snuggled you in your... No, don't imagine that. <laughs> right. um, I'm trying to create a context. If, um, gospel, uh, the gospel X's and O's, okay? All right, so this is how it went. This is how the story went. The gospel X's and O's. I'm a coach, okay? And I'm telling my kids, there is a king who rules the land, and we're just going to call him the X, okay? Um, and King X ruled uh, with deception, and everybody followed the king. He, he had dominion. He ruled over like a king, and everybody kind of took on his, his personality. And there was division, and there was strife and deception. There was all sorts of brokenness that happened to this kingdom because he was the bad king. And there was a king that came before him that ruled this land, where that land belonged to him. His, we're going to call him O, <laughs> King O, okay? X's and O's, you got it? So King O actually comes into the land to do battle with King X. And so the announcement comes that King O is back, and he wants his people back, and he wants his land back. So, okay. Katie and Tyler right now are on the edge of their seats. Are you guys with them? Yes. Jade has to because I'm her boss. She's in. <laughs> King O shows up and does battle with King X. And in an ironic twist, King X kills King O. And all of the people that had hoped that the land ruled by X would change, and that there was hope that this King O had come to save us, all of it died. All hope had died. Nobody can beat X, not even O. And three days later, O rose from the dead, victorious, without even throwing a punch, without a sword or without anything, O had showed up in his land, 
been killed by X and in one miraculous act raised from the dead and the people that saw it said, oh. <laughs> Bring in the heralds. Bring in the heralds. The heralds come in and what heralds do is they take this good news and they go into every village in every nation and they go and they say, there's a victorious king. X has been defeated. O has won and you are liberated. You can walk out. You can now live for O. He rules this place. Okay? And all of those that heard that message from the herald, hey, Lainey. <laughs> what time does 710 start? <laughs> I'm allowed, she was my intern. I'm allowed to make those jokes. I love Lainey more than most of you. Okay? <laughs> All right, I was in the middle of the gospel, Lainey. You're free. The heralds go out and they evangelize. They tell the good news. O has won. You can walk out right now. You don't have to listen to X anymore. This is the gospel framework. This is the X's nose of the gospel. You can be freed from X. Jesus called him the ruler of this world that rules and deception and that we're all slaves to them and we all kind of like wear this X, which we might use language like sin. But the creator, the one who was meant to rule this place came, loved us so much. He came on our mercy mission to save us. And he has, without throwing a punch, he's been raised victorious. He put X, Satan, to open shame. And now the gospel, the good news has gone out to everyone. He rose from the dead. He is victorious. He is Lord. And those of you that have believed that good news, the gospel, you have been delivered from the domain of darkness and you've been transferred to the kingdom of the beloved son. King O redeems people. That means he frees them from slavery and he forgives them of their sins. All of those of us who turn, that word means repent. And repentance is turning from X and turning to O. So now, we live in the kingdom of the Son. And in his kingdom, this king, O, has forgiven all the ways that we have acted in X. All of the ways that we have all participated like that king that used to rule us, he's forgiven. He's wiped it clean, and he's redeemed us into his kingdom. King O is violent. We're not used to hearing that. Jesus came on a mission with a violent aggression towards X. He wasn't going to be stopped. And he's still on that mission against X. He's getting rid of X. Look at uh, Matthew 13, 41. It says, the son of man, this is Jesus talking about when he returns, the son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all of those who do evil. Okay? So I was just going to picture like everybody's an X in this room. Go like this. X. All right, we're all X's. I give you the good news. O has won. Some of you go, I'm now following O. 
Some of you are like, I kind of think X is the way to go. When Jesus returns, he's coming back and establishing heaven on earth, the kingdom and his will on earth as it is in heaven. And there is a day when he says he will rid his kingdom, this world, of all sin and all causes of sin. Now, the word is, uh, the word is translated a cause of sin, or sometimes it's called a stumbling block or a snare or a trap. All of it is the same word. Here's what it means. All the things that keep us from believing the good news of O. All of those different things that trip us up and snare us and trap us. He's going to get rid of all of those things. We'll never be deceived again. We'll never be trapped again. Everything that is sin and everything that causes sin is wiped clean. And now imagine our community with no desire to sin with no deception, with no sin in us, with no like instincts that belong to X. It's gone. And now we get to live on earth as it is in heaven under the reign of King Jesus. He's violently coming back to get rid of sin. And he tells us to be violent. He uses these, this language and he says, uh, look at uh, Matthew 5.30. He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, there's that word again, causes you to lose faith, keeps you from King O. If your right hand keeps you from King O, King Jesus, cut it off. Throw it away. In the same way that Jesus is coming back and ridding this place of sin, he says, in your own heart, rid your heart, join me in this movement to get rid of X. And if it's in you and you see it, get rid of it. Violently, aggressively get rid of sin. Take sin serious in your life. It's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, before anyone cuts off their hand and comes back and we all come back maimed next week, all right? Talk to someone about that, okay? Because there, there's a different way you could just get rid of sin, okay? All of a sudden, I was like, this could turn out really bad. King O, Jesus Christ, rebukes those. When, we, when in the Gospels, when you see him walking this earth with his disciples, he's rebuking those that are acting and speaking for King X. There is a way that you can be an instrument in the hand of X. Like X is using you to cause chaos in relationships, in his world. And Jesus holds no punches. He tells people, he testifies. He testifies to people about their sin and how they're participating in the kingdom of X. And I'm going to give you one example. This is uh, Matthew 16, 23. Jesus turns and said to Peter is one of his closest disciples, he says, get behind me, Satan. One of his best friends, most loyal disciples, most zealous and passionate followers of Jesus, he looks at him and he says, get behind me, X, get behind me. You are acting right now like Satan and I've come to defeat Satan. Get behind me. 
You don't have the mind or the concerns of God, I put in parentheses O, but merely you're thinking like X right now. Am I losing you in the X and O's or is this? No response. Thank you. Do I need a whiteboard? You don't have the mind of God right now, Peter. You're thinking like X. I need you to think like O. And he tells him, get behind me, Satan. That's a rebuke. A rebuke, is Sorry. a rebuke is testifying to the sin that's in you. It's, it's saying, that's not right. That looks more like Satan than it does God. Jesus is not afraid to rebuke. So we're on the road now. This is the, this is the series. And I love the title because there's many times uh, that I think about what it would have been like to be on the pathway walking with Jesus. When I actually went to Israel and I got to see, like, he walked from that place, you're like up on a mountain, there's this valley, you know, like, that's where that scene took place. And then the very next scene is you see that mountain way over there, the next scene in the gospel is there. And you're starting to think like, whoa, he walked for two days in sandals with his buddies, his disciples, all the way there. What was that like on the road? What were the conversations? What did they laugh about? What did they cry about? So he's on the road and he's explaining all of this, the gospel, the X's and O's. And Jesus said to his disciples, this is where our text picks up right here. He says, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. This is the, the snare, the trap, okay? He says, on the road, he says, this stuff's going to trip people up. It's going to try and affect your faith. It's going to try and interfere with you and the king, King O. Okay? It's going to come. You do not want that trap to be you. You don't want to be the one that is actually causing people to lose their faith. Because King O is violent against X. Here's what he says. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Now, sometimes we think, oh, little kids, yeah, we don't want to hurt little kids. That's true. Jesus is for that. Little ones typically is when Jesus is talking about people that have just come to him. Like they're fragile in their faith. They've just barely come. And he said, when they've just barely come to me, if you're used by X to take them and to do something that causes them to fall away, I'm telling you, you don't want to be that person. Based on O is violent against X. He doesn't mess around with sin. So if you can think on the road, it's like, whoa, millstone tied around their neck. That would be the better option. Sinking to the bottom of the sea. I didn't know Jesus said stuff like this. And he's giving us a warning. Don't be used by my enemy. King X is what he says. King X is going to try to make people fall from faith. You don't want to be the one he uses. On the road, X on the road, your relationships can cause people to fall from faith. Let me say this again. 
Jesus is saying how you relate to one another can actually cause people to fall from faith. When you show up at a church and they hate each other and they're full of gossip and they're full of cliques and they're not, they look nothing like O. Anyone ever been in that environment? And you're like, I don't think any of this is real. Everything that, uh, everything that Jesus Christ taught, I don't see any of it here. Your relationships matter. How you relate to one another matters. X will use your relationships. Satan will use your relationships. And the way that you participate in your relationships as an X, division, strife, quarrels, gossip, slander, maligning. Sin will cause separation. That's what it does. So look at me. Sin will do this. And we use this code language in this world to go like, we're just not close anymore. Marriages, the clouds, you guys have seen this happen. Marriages where people go, you know, we're just going to divorce and separate because we're just not, we just, we, we grew apart. Sin separates us. That's what sin does. This is what X does. And then you go, you know what? Uh, we're just not friends anymore. And I found some new friends. And then guess what's going to happen? We're going to sin against each other. You give it enough time and this starts to happen. And then you go, you know what? I just found a new group of friends. And I go here. And the clock is ticking. And if I were to rewind back to 1999 in this room, I needed to hear that. Sin did this. And we did not listen to King Jesus. Because King Jesus here on the road is telling us, Sin separates, but Christ reconciles, and he's given us the recipe to do it. You don't have to separate. You're the children of God. Those of you that have believed that good news that say, like, yes, I belong to Jesus, he's given you his heart, he's given you his spirit, and he's given you a recipe to bring things back together, a ministry of reconciliation. Your relationships, as much as they can drive people away from Jesus, your relationships can draw people to Jesus. John 17, Jesus is praying for us. He says, I'm not just praying for my disciples. I'm praying for all those that will believe someday in this message. And he says, I pray that they would be one. They would be this. They would be one in the same way that the Father and the Son are one. The same unity that the Father and Jesus experience, he wants us to experience that same Unity, and he says, and then the world will know. Whoa. The world, the nations will know that Jesus reigns and that he was sent from heaven. How? When the church's relationships aren't doing this like the rest of the world, but every nation, tribe, race, ethnicity, background, neighborhood, language, style, vibe, when they all come together and you go, wait, why are these people together? They look like they wouldn't hang out normally. What is this? 
and they love each other. The world will know us by our love. There's a unity in this. And Jesus said, Jesus, the king said, when this happens, the world will know. On the road, Jesus is talking about the significance of your relationships with one another. And the way back together is forgiveness. And there is so much confusion about forgiveness. And Julie and I have wrestled with this. I wouldn't say that we've fought about this, but we have so many relationships that are consistently with sin, trying to do this, and we are trying to follow Jesus to keep them together, that it seems like at every point in our life, we're having this conversation about forgiveness. What does it look like? And I would just say, I invited Julie tonight because the things that I was saying, this is what it is, and she was like, no, this is what it is. Because this is the first time I'm going to teach her version of forgiveness. <laughs> because I think it's the biblical version. And I was wrong. And I was like, you're going to, I said, you, you need to come tonight. I'm teaching on forgiveness. She's like, oh boy, this is the conversation. And I'm like, I think this is the first one you're going to like. She's like, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> on the road, he says, so watch yourselves. Don't cause people to stumble. It'll be better if you get thrown into the ocean. And then he says, so watch yourselves. He's saying, here's how you make sure you don't cause people to stumble. If your brother sins against you, rebuke them. We know that Jesus saw sin and talked about it. Now, this is my error. People sin against me. I don't say anything. I'd rather just keep the peace. Because as soon as I tell you that you've sinned, what's going to happen? like war a little bit, you know, maybe behind the scenes, like they won't like Brian as much because I'm pointing something out. You've sinned against me. If your brother or sister sins against you, tell them. Doesn't have to be harsh. Austin, hey, the other day we were doing this thing and you said this and I feel like that was disrespectful. That dishonored me. Like, I'm not trying to make this an ego thing, but that hurt me, dude, when you said that. That's not harsh. I'm going to go through each one of you. You know what? Now that I think of it, Jamie, <laughs> the other day, just kidding. You don't have to be a jerk about it. I hate the term calling people out. Don't call people out. Testify about what happened. Hey, I sin. I sin against you, Matthew. And so when you sin against me, I'm not going, I'm the one telling you that you're the sinner and I'm not. I'm just like, in this relationship, if I get close to you, if you're my intern, there's probably things I've done to sin against Lainey. Like we both, this is what sin does. And we got to tell each other, that hurt, that was sin. And then when we respond with, hey, that's not who I want to be. I did not mean to offend you. I'm sorry I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Absolutely, I'll forgive you. Now, it works that smoothly every time. It's never. We've, Julie and I have been married 22 years. We know that verse. 
I don't think it's ever in 22 years worked that smoothly. So if you're like, well, this is hard. Yes, it's hard. King O, Jesus Christ, rebukes those that are speaking and acting in line with King X. And guess what? He tells us, his followers, to do, to do the same thing. We're supposed to tell each other. That's a part of how we help one another. And King O forgives all who turn from X. You turn from those ways of X and you turn to an O and he wipes away that sin. He cancels the debt. He forgives. And guess what? He tells us to do the same thing. As an O, you are not ascribing to correct doctrine. Becoming a follower of Jesus does not mean I have all the answers now. That's what Christianity is. Becoming a Christian means you follow Christ. You do the things that the king has told us to do. You've been forgiven, you've been delivered, you've been forgiven, but now you're in a new kingdom and you follow a new king, Jesus Christ. And he tells us to offer each other forgiveness, rebuke each other, and when they repent, forgive them. What is forgiveness? It's mercy. Mercy is you can do nothing. You guys, uh, when I was a little kid, we used to play a game called Mercy. Did anyone, this, was that just my generation or did you guys do that? So Austin and I would go here, we'd lock fingers like this, and then it's just like, who can overcome the other? Okay? And I've got like bird wrists. I've got the smallest wrists on any man that I know, okay? I was horrible at Mercy. And it was like, I lock with my friends, and it was like, ah, gosh. And once you hit this, there's nothing you can do. You cannot, like, you cannot flex from that position. So all you do is like, mercy, 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 because it just feels like your wrist is going to break. And then they could break your wrists, but they show you mercy. There's nothing you can do to save yourself in that moment. You're just waiting for the tap out so that they will let you go. Forgiveness is mercy. You've sinned against me. You deserve retribution. If you cause me pain, what you deserve is pain. Why would, why would I have to hurt if you're the one sinning? You should hurt. Yes, you. <laughs> Don't sin against me. All right? So if you hurt me, what I should do is get you back. But you go, I'm sorry, mercy, mercy, mercy. I don't want to, I'm sorry. And I go, you're forgiven. Forgiveness is mercy. It's like you have the right to get them back and you don't. On the cross, everyone's hurling insults at Jesus. Does he have the right to judge and be like, you've nailed me to a cross. I am the son of God. I've come to save you. Lightning bolts. I mean, what, he did so many different Miracles that at this moment he could take vengeance and he doesn't. It's mercy. Forgiveness is also absorbing the debt. Okay, so I'm going to use Austin's, uh, Austin's dad traded vehicles with me yesterday. Okay, now what I haven't told him is I put a dent in Austin's Jeep and I haven't told him yet. Okay, but I had it appraised, and it's like $400, okay? So Eric says, don't worry about it. 
we're going to get it fixed. I put the dent in it. It's $400. Who should pay that debt? Me. I did it. But instead, Eric is making Austin pay that debt. You haven't heard this? This is just an illustration. Okay, but in this illustration, Eric says, don't worry about it, Bergs. I'm not going to make you pay that $400. And I go, oh, thank goodness. Whew. Win-win. We both win. Is that true? No. Who lost? Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus is going to pay for the Jeep. Jesus loses. Austin loses. To forgive me of the debt, Austin has to lose. He has to absorb the debt, $400. And he goes, hey, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay for it. I'll pay for it. Jesus on the cross doesn't go, hey, Haley, you're forgiven. Don't worry about it. And we go, win-win. No, your debt for sin is death. Your debt for your participation in X is death. God's violence against X is the debt. And Jesus says, don't worry about it, Reagan. I'm going to pay it. And he goes to the cross. So if you feel like, I don't know if I can forgive, it's really hard. Yes. Absorbing the pain is hard. Jesus absorbing your death, your punishment, was not easy. That hurt. That hurt his feelings. And that hurt him physically. And that hurt the father. And that hurt his mother, Mary, who had to watch it. And that hurt his disciples. Forgiveness is, hurts. I don't want to do that because I don't know if I'm willing to go through that pain. Our, oh man, I just got, I just messed up. I just hit a button and I'm gone. Now you're going to watch an old man struggle with technology. It's my worst nightmare right now. Okay, um, the answers are in the cross. The answers to our, our sin questions. What is forgiveness? That's what I want to have. What is forgiveness? It's mercy. It's absorbing the debt. It's painful and costly. It's motivated by our forgiveness, right? All of the, all of the commands to forgive others are since God forgave you, Chris, forgive others. In fact, Jesus tells a story and he says there's a master who, you know, the, he's collecting a debt and the person goes, I can't pay it. Mercy, 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 mercy. I can't do it. And the, and the master goes, okay, you know what? Clearing the debt. I'll absorb it. And that person that was just forgiven goes to a friend and is like, you owe me five bucks. And the person says, I don't have five bucks. And he absolutely destroys the person. And the king hears about it and says, wait, you begged me for mercy and I showed you mercy and then you turned around, you should have shown the same mercy to somebody else and offered forgiveness, but you didn't. Therefore, you're going to pay that debt. 
Jesus is saying, Jesus is serious about this reconciliation. This is not an option for us. This is actually how people see Jesus and the gospel is through watching us reenact the gospel to one another when we get sinned against and we offer forgiveness and absorb the, absorb the debt and bring the relationship back together. It's motivated by our forgiveness. And the last one is forgiveness. Julie's going to love this. Forgiveness always ends in reconciliation. For a long time, I said, you can forgive and not reconcile. And I've, I've tried to win that fight biblically, and I can't. Good job, Julie. You're all right. The gospel is the picture of forgiveness. And when Jesus forgives you, it's for the purpose of reconciliation. Now, you might think, so I don't have to forgive? We have to forgive. But here's how the cross works. The answer is in the cross. He testifies to our sin. Jesus says, you have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Humanity goes, we don't like that guy. We pin him to a cross and kill him. Tortured. He acts in love, in resurrection, and says, that blood that you made me bleed is now the blood that I'm offering you for forgiveness so that we can be together. You killed me. And the blood that I bled is now the blood that sets you free and is now your gift to my enemies. So what do we do? We repent and he forgives us and we're reconciled. We repent and he forgives us. What if we don't repent? What if we're like, we're sticking with X? There's no forgiveness of sins. You're going before the judge with X. And he is violently, aggressively ridding the world of X. And you've chosen sides. So if our forgiveness is dependent on repentance, when I testify, I gotta choose someone new. Sarah. When I testify to your sin and you get upset at me, kill me, and I respond in love and then you still don't ask for forgiveness or repent, I don't have to forgive you. I tried to win the argument. It's not there in the Bible. I don't have to forgive you. Our relationship is not okay, Sarah. I can create distance in our relationship. There's not reconciliation because I told you you sinned against me and you refuse to repent and there is distance now and I don't have to pretend. In fact, I do Sarah a disservice when I'm like, eh, it's okay. And we, I still offer you the same relationship and allow you to keep sinning. I create a barrier and say, we're not okay. We've still got business to do. And if you want this relationship with me, I am ready to forgive. But we have to deal with this sin between you and me. So you go, oh, so I can be a jerk. 
we got to jump ahead. Here we go. It says, when the cross is our model. I know I'm like slides here. In yellow, it says they don't repent, if you can find that one. Perfect. Okay, so what happens to this? I testify to your sin. You come back at me harshly, and I respond in love. The, the blood that you inflicted on me now is the blood that is offering forgiveness. It's a gift. I'm imitating the cross, and they don't repent. I don't have to forgive. I don't have to pretend that they didn't sin against me, and we can just be friends again. But I am not allowed to pay back. Romans 12 says, do not repay for evil. Instead, bless. If your enemy, if Sarah is hungry, feed her. If she needs, I forget, I, I'm going blank. If she's thirsty, give her a drink. We're not okay. But my life is still going to bless and meet needs. I'm still loving does that make sense? I don't have the right to pay that. But when you come at me with sin, I, because I'm a follower of O, I am still going to come back with love. We can't be reconciled. But what's going to come out of me is love. Do you understand? Bless those that curse you. Love your enemy. And we're not reconciled. But Matthew 18 tells us this, and this is, the, this is the next step. Sarah, I told you your sin. You didn't repent. It's the end of the story is not there. I, res I responded in love. Now I need to go to somebody close. Sarah doesn't repent. Matthew 18 says it's not over. Here's what you do. She doesn't respond. Go find someone to come with you and plead with Sarah now you've brought somebody with you. And if she still doesn't repent, then you come to the community and you go, let's talk to Sarah. We don't do this. We don't rebuke one another and tell each other their sin. And then when they don't respond, we just kind of like gloss it over or we separate and we find new friends. This is the hard work of forgiveness. I'm going to finish with Romans 12, 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But it's not. As far as it depends on you, but it depends on them too, if you're going to reconcile. Do not take revenge. When they hurt you in sin, you don't hurt them back. Don't slander them. Don't gossip about them. Don't give them the cold shoulder. Rebuke them. Tell them what they've done. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for the, wrath, for, it, for the wrath of God. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I'm the one that does the repaying, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by X, but overcome X with good. How did Christ overcome Satan? Not with a sword. When he was sinned against by those people, 
he did not pay them back, but he returned their evil with love and grace on the cross. And in that, he overcame the evil one. I wish so badly in this room, I could have rewound the clock 25 years. And when it started to go this way and we didn't manage our relationships, we all started sinning against each other. I wish we had a moment to go this, talk to each other about your sin. I know it's taboo. Talk to each other. Repent, forgive, reconcile. Why? Because this is how the battle is won in the war of X's and O's. Christ overcomes evil with good. Let me pray for you guys. Father, your forgiveness is our mercy, is, is mercy to us, Lord. We have sinned against you. We all have fallen short. And God, yet you came so close to us that you allowed humanity to murder you and the blood which you spilled became the grace in which healed us. Father, I pray in those relationships when we start to sin against each other, we don't move away, but we get close enough to offer that same forgiveness to one another. Give us humble hearts. Give us courage. God, fill us with your grace so that we can be a light to the world that reconciliation is possible through King Jesus. And Lord, I pray just for this family, this community right here, that when people would walk through these doors, they would notice the love and unity and friendship that was paid for by Jesus and paid for through forgiveness amongst each other. And there would be such a sweet fellowship in this room that people would actually come to faith and say, maybe Jesus Christ was sent from the Father. Lord, that is your promise. We're banking on that, God. Help our relationships testify to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.